Hi, you're listening to the Lund University International Podcast. Uh, I'm Elliot. Uh, I'm a student here at, uh, at Lund University, and I also work in the International Marketing and Recruitment Office here at Lund University. And uh, I'm happy to be hosting uh, this particular episode with my guest, Jacques. Jacques, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello there. Uh, yeah, thanks so much for having me. Uh, my name is Jacques Schultz. Uh, I'm an, well, an old student of Lund, actually. I've <laughs> uh, been here. <laughs> I was one of these like eternity students. Mm. And uh, basically today I make my living by doing guided tours where I like to talk about the slightly more ghostly and blood-curdling history of Lund because there are a lot of really good old stories from this town. Interesting. I can't wait to dive into some of those today. So, you know, Lund University was founded in 1666 and we have a long history at the university uh, of being in a historic town. Um, but what are some of the most interesting stories that you know about Lund uh, that, you could, that you could tell us today? Well, I mean, uh, in connection with the university, because I mean, we can't go back because the town is like a thousand years old. Ah. Yeah. So we have like a medieval history, for instance. We had like, a, well, the Archbishop of all the Nordic countries had his seat in Lund from 1103, 1104. Mm. And in 1254, we get a new Archbishop called mm. Jakob Erlandsson, who actually um, in 1270, uh, 1272, um, was sorry, 1274. Uh, he was. We know that he was murdered by one of the Danish kings. Whoa! Yeah, and we didn't get to know this until 1972 when they found his tomb here in Lund. Mm. And when they opened up his little coffin, uh, he came in a very small coffin because he died in Germany. Mm. So in order to get him home, they actually cut him into small pieces, boiled him <laughs> until the meat fell off the bones, and sent the bones because it's your transport. He wouldn't smell so much when he arrived. <laughs> but. When they, when they opened up his grave, they found out that somebody had actually shot a crossbow bolt straight through his head. Wow. Yeah, and it, it turned out that if you look at the political machinations at the time, it was with all certainty a Danish king called uh, Eric Klipping mm. who had him murdered just to get rid of him. Wow. Yeah, and uh, here in Lund, actually, if you visit the Museum of Kulturen, uh, you take that little passageway that goes underneath the street. Uh, when you come up on the other side, the first red brick building on your left. Go around it into the basement. There you have the brick tomb, his oak coffin, and a plaster cast of his skull. So you can look at entrance and exit rooms and stuff like that. So yeah, we start out fairly early by doing yeah. strange stuff here. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. And, and, you know, I mean, how does it go from there? So are there more interesting stories that build from that? From that oh, yeah. I mean, especially, as you said, after the university is founded in 1666. Um, uh, that's the thing, because sometimes you see people talk, yeah, 1666, some say 1668. Mm. They signed the paperwork in 1666, mm. but they didn't admit students until 1668. Mm. So uh, we, we kind of like a, like a three-year anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, so, um, but I mean, uh, if you look at them in the university in the opening world, an extremely small university. Mm. I mean, it was like, I think it was like 15 professors, one teacher of modern languages, and a fencing master. Mm. Because as a student, you had to learn how to fence and dance. So that's what ah. he taught as well. Yep. And um, the thing is that, as I said, about 15 professors and something like 30, 35 students. 30 to 35 students. Yeah, so it was like a, that's almost like private tutoring at the university level. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. Um, 
But the university, when it opened, was literally a state within the state because the university had what was known as jurisdiction over the students, hmm. which meant that, uh, and the academics. So like ordinary authorities were not allowed to handle crimes committed by the faculty or the students. Wow. Yep. So they had their own police force, their own set of laws, their own court system, and their own jail. Wow. Yeah. And it's that little house called Liberiet, ah. um, down by uh, the cathedral. Mm. And uh, as an example of this, the last time the university actually executed a student was in 1830. 1830? Yep. Wow. Now, for all the listeners who are listening, and we don't execute students nowadays, but <laughs> I, tell, us more, tell us more about the jurisdiction within the jurisdiction. I think that's quite interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because th- th- this kind of like connects to like a, a larger thing. And it's kind of, well, cool in a grisly way. Yeah. Uh, because what happened on uh, September 8, 1829, um, behind the big, acad- well, you have like the academic union, the castle, mm-hmm. that little uh, roundabout behind it, you have a brick house mm-hmm. with uh, wooden crossbeams mm-hmm. called Lucas Peccatorum. Mm-hmm. Uh, about 100 meters from that house on September 8, 1829, they found the corpse of a young man who had been like, battered to death. Wow. And um, it turned out they kind of, after a while, discovered, because he was so thoroughly beaten, it was almost unrecognizable, but after a while, they discovered it was a former student called uh, Anders Landain, well, now former student, mm. and who had killed him. Well, not very difficult. They just followed the splashes of blood along the street until they came to that house. And the trail led right up to one of the doors where an old friend of his, another student called Jakob Blumdahl, lived. Mm. And when they, when, they, when they knocked on his door, he opened it, it was like covered in blood and had huge bloodshot staring eyes and stuff like that. So, wow. Yep. They arrested him immediately and he confessed immediately. Um, him and his friend were going to have like a lad's night up there. We're going to play some cards, drink some beer. And the thing was that the mood turned after a while uh, about the card game and who, what, who owed who what here. Ah. Um, so finally, this argument ended with a fight, and the fight ended with Bloomdog grabbing an iron bar he had up there, and then like just beat his friend to death, carried his corpse as far as he could manage, dumped him, and went home. Wow. Yeah. And now the problem was that both victim and murderer were students. Mm. So the jurisdiction had to move in. And we know that the professors weren't really that keen on that because they don't have to do teach and do research, not sentence people for murder. Yeah. So they tried to weasel out of it, but they couldn't. And they actually had to um, pronounce, say, come up with a sentence that Bloomdot has to give life for life. And uh, in the spring of 1830, he was beheaded on the orders of the university at the old execution grounds here in Lund. Wow. Yep. And the old execution grounds for the students among you. Um, up on Yating Road, right across from the stables where the technology students have their party house, lofted. That's the execution grounds. Interesting. So that's that's where they lopped his head off. And wow. yeah, this jurisdiction was in effect until 1852-53. Mm. And that house, Lucas Peccaturum, is named that after this story because that means the house of sin. Mm. And you used to have students who lived there and the guy who lived on the topmost floor was known as the Sumus Peccato, the highest sinner. Ah. And in connection with this murder, that is why you get the academic union. Hmm. Because the professors and students were like, how did this happen? Yeah. How is it not going to happen again? So let's get like start a union so we can like keep tabs on the students so they don't just sit at home and drink and 
get strange and mm. you no know, stuff like that. So that's why you get the academic union. Wow, that's such an interesting. And the academic union came about in, in... 1831, okay. right about then. Okay, wow, wow. Well, the more you know. I think I, it's interesting as a student because at Lund, I came to Lund and I just saw the kind of the the, the interesting advertisements for Akademiska Ferengen and, and all these different, you know, organizations in Lund. But you never really know the history, the background of why these things exist and why Lund is unique in its way yep. um, to have some of these things. Um, you know, uh, it, it's it's interesting that you give ghost talks, and I, I'm sure you tell these stories among others um, yeah. in your talks. But but tell me more about that process. How did you get involved in giving ghost talks? <clears throat> well, basically, it was like uh, I was studying at Lund, okay, and I had a couple of these like you know like when you had these like really really boring summer jobs. Mm -hmm. I just sit and watch at the clock and the, the like the, the minute I take one step forward, two steps back. <laughs> and I was being like that. I don't mind working, but I want to have fun when I work. Mm -hmm. I mean, so um, and I've been a lot to London mm -hmm. and in London, you have like ghost pub walks, Jack the Ripper tour, haunted London, medieval London. Mm -hmm. Those kinds of tours are very popular. And I was like, you know, I've always loved history and I love talking about history. And I, I am I am kind of a motor mouth. <laughs> so uh, this would kind of suit me. Mm. So uh, I made up a couple of concepts and I sold that to the tourist offices here in Dune. Um, and so it, it started out like a summer's job. It was something I do, did uh, next to my studies. And when I find it, I do actually have a law degree. Uh, and a lot of like, also done a lot of history at the university level. Mm. It, it, it's come in handy. Yeah. Um, but when I finally got my law degree, I discovered I can actually make a comfortable living doing this. Wow. And I love doing this. Wow. So why not? Yeah. Mm. Life is too short not to have fun. Yeah. 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 And so are you a resident of Lund? Yep. Do you live you live within the city walls and and uh, yep. <laughs> experience it every day? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um so that's that's really interesting. Um, you know. Can can students go on these tours that you give, um, or are they just kind of for like where where can we access your your tours? And um, you can find my uh, I have a little Facebook page, mm. uh, Spurk Guiden. So S P L <laughs> the O with the umlauts. Yeah. K G U I D E N. Mm. Uh, you can find me there because during the summer I have like scheduled tours where you just show up. Mm -hmm. But uh, if it's international students, I would recommend that. Because I do these tours in English as well, mm. uh, I would recommend I get some friends together, contact me, and I work. I work any day, any time, as long as I'm not, you know, caught up somewhere else. Cool. So I can always uh, arrange for a private tour. Mm. Mm. Interesting. That's that's an that's an amazing opportunity. Yeah. Um, I might take you up on that offer. Actually, that's quite fun. Um, and and. Of course, with all of these ghost stories and tours in mind, um, you know, something that comes to mind as an American student is uh, Halloween. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and that's quite interesting uh, in, in Lund. And um, what's your experience with Halloween being a, a ghost guide, I guess? Yeah, yeah I, 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 get, I get a lot of jobs around <laughs> Halloween because people, people want to go out and get one of the stories. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of like an interesting cultural drift because we have like All Hallows Eve in Sweden, mm -hmm. but then it's a very solemn location, so somber. You go to the graveyards uh, to visit your relatives' graves and you mm -hmm. put a candle on it and, you, you know, remember them. 
But I'd say like the last 15, 20 years, there's been like this cultural shift where like the American tradition is coming in. Mm. So now like Swedish television and TV channels, they start showing yeah, horror movies and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And you have like Halloween parties. Mm-hmm. And the thing about trick-or-treating is it's actually getting to be a thing now. Mm. And uh, a tip is like, uh, you've got this like, I don't know how it came to be, but the idea now is that if you put a pumpkin outside your house or your apartment, mm-hmm. that means it's okay to knock for trick-or-treating. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, uh, but it, 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 that's, it's been kind of an interesting drift there. But it's getting to be a thing now, the American Halloween style. Hmm. And it's interesting too, as as an American, um, as an American international student here at Lund, um, I obviously have my own experience with Halloween. Um, but it's funny because we do some traditions, uh, for example, carving pumpkins. I'm not sure if they do that here oh, yeah. in Sweden. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, it, uh, yeah. Once again, it's one of these things that's just going to show up now. Yeah, yeah. People carve pumpkins and put yeah. that side on. Um, but here's a little interesting thing. Here in Scania, mm. uh, we used to have an old tradition, and it's still alive. Some mm-hmm. people do it around Halloween. They carve, basically carve pumpkin heads, but not with pumpkin, but with sugar beets. Really? Yep. Really? Because sugar beets has always been one of the big cash crops down here. Yeah. And that was a tradition around this time that you would carve like this ghastly faces in a little sugar beet <laughs> and put a candle in them. And, and actually they smell very nice because you get this smell of burnt sugar when you use yeah. them and stuff like that. Yeah. So that was kind of like a Swedish proto-pumpkin version mm. or Scanian proto-pumpkin mm-hmm. version. Mm-hmm. Now, how big is a sugar beet? I mean, is it... Oh, I'd say the size of a... Well, it's 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 teardrop shaped. It's okay. te- it's, yeah. it's it's shaped like a teardrop, and I'd say, oh, about the size of a small pumpkin. Maybe. A small small pumpkin, yeah. like yeah. yeah, one of these like you know decorative pumpkins. Sure, yeah. sure. Oh wow, interesting. Now, uh, of course, I, I, I knew that they do it at the Museum yeah. of Kultur. Do they really? Yeah, they have a sugar beet carving for kids huh. around this time. How fun! Yeah. Now, uh, of course, we have a lot of international students um, who are listening to this. Have have there been any stories? in Lund about international folks that have, have caused trouble or, or have, uh, have maybe turned into ghosts or, you know, <laughs> famous international ghosts here in Lund um, that you know of. Let, let's see. I mean, uh, I'm trying to do a quick think here. Mm. Uh, no, sad. I don't think we have like any international, the ones we have a homegrown, mm. but these are the university towns. It's <laughs> actually, Often enough, it's uh, either students yeah. or professors. Ah, okay. Yeah, especially professors. They have a tendency of haunting because as I said, <laughs> once they get tender, you never get rid of them. Yeah. <laughs> so they, so they, they hang around forever. They, they yeah. never leave their old offices. Yeah. But I mean, we, we've had like um, international guests, uh, mm. like, like uh, fencing masters from abroad and stuff like that. Yeah. So... Um, and also, especially during the 1600s, mm. uh, if you look at because Swedish was Sweden was one of the great powers then, mm. and um, as you might know, uh, what today is southern Sweden was eastern Denmark mm. up until 1658, mm-hmm. and then basically the 1600s was spent fighting huge wars mm. between Sweden and Denmark because mm. Denmark wanted their old eastern provinces back, mm-hmm. and um, then you had like the Battle of Lund in 1676, which is actually the bloodiest battle in the history of Scandinavia. Wow. Yeah, 9,000 dead in a single day. And 
this battle ended with the Swedish king after the, the, the called, called it the day. He actually rode into the king's house here, here in Lundagord. Wow. Yep, and spent the night there with uh, his generals and the few few members of his bodyguard that actually survived the battle. Wow. And they have like the connection because at the time the bishop was still a Dane. Ah. Yeah. He had managed to keep his job from 1658. Wow. Yeah. And the story is that he and his wife really hated the Swedes. Which is kind of he was kind of like a two-faced guy because he hated the Swedes, but he was actually the guy that wanted a university here. Ah, yep. Um, but they said that he and his wife had like laid out this feast to eat with the Danish king to celebrate the victory over the foul Swedes. And they can hear like horses and stuff like, hey, here comes Christian the fifth. Oh, crap. It's Charles the eleventh. Ah. Um, so the story is that after that, uh, the bishop's wife ran into the dinner hall got good red wine, put that in the basement, and got some like sour vinegary stuff for the Swedes. And um, <laughs> I don't know if that made Charles XI annoyed, but in 1688, he gives the king's house to the university. Mm. And that is the university's first proper building. That's mm. their house. Mm. And that is the actually the king's house is the main university building until 1882 when we get the Great White House. Wow. So that's that's fascinating. That is really, I mean, these for all the international students listening, these are buildings in in Lund's main campus, the the in in the center of Lund. Um, everybody has walked past them many times, but we we probably uh, don't know the story behind these particular uh, houses. Um, I'm interested to know more about the the professors. Stories about the professors uh, who have made trouble um, or just who are quirky i guess uh, in, in oh the, yeah i mean when it comes to like quirky professors i mean we, we, we have people who are, it's like almost yeah quirky borderline insane yeah right yeah <laughs> that's usually how it goes yeah <laughs> for instance um one of my favorites um uh comes to lund in the early 1800s he was mm. uh, his name was uh called yuan hill mm. and the thing is that if you look at it to begin with i mean because his name was Danielsson to begin with, mm. but he came from a small place called Högruda, which is to the north of north of Scania. Mm. And when he started at the university, you know, called Johan Danielsson. That's a bother to write. Mm. So he took the first syllable in his hometown, Hög, translated it to English, hill. And that's what you got the family name. Mm. Uh, at the university, he studied maths and physics and was like, but it seems like every time he was up for tenure, the university was like, you know what, can, can we like get rid of him somehow? <laughs> so we like toured, the, toured the, 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 the seats of higher learning because first they sent him to Gothenburg mm. for a while. And then the Gothenburg, they sent him to Stockholm for a while. <laughs> then he came back to Scania, mm. tried to get his foot in the door through the university, but it took some time. So for a, a while, he worked as the regimental physician at the at a cavalry regiment outside of town without having studied medicine. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I would have been like, slightly nervous if I was a regimental physician who was like a mathematician, a physician. Yeah. But finally, <laughs> it seems like university kind of forgot what they're do dealing with. So they actually made him the first mathematics, pure mathematics professor here mm. at the university. Mm. And once he got tenure, 
and you couldn't get rid of him, mm. that's when he like, who let all his ideas fly. <laughs> yeah, because if he started out like, he went up to the Institute of the Swedish Language and said, you know, why do we have all the vowels in the written language? Let's remove them and make the written language just pure consonants. <laughs> the words will become shorter, the books thinner. We will say time and money. Wow. Uh, nobody liked that idea. <laughs> um, then uh, <laughs> he went up to um, the Institute of Physics mm-hmm. and made a, well, not a fool of his name because people are a little bit afraid of him. <laughs> um, because the physicists were using the, the old measurements, mm. like inch, foot, yard. Yeah. And like pressure was measured in the very practical unit of square, like pounds per square inch and mm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. A lot of conversion tables if you were doing physics. Mm-hmm. So they were looking for, let's have a new standard unit. Mm. And then like, that meter thing they're using in France. Mm. I mean, oh God, that's practical, base 10. Mm. And then the professor showed up. Professor here said, the meter, that effeminate French unit, that's not something for us proud northerners. Now we're going to have our own standard of units, and that will be the mustard seed. Wow. Because the what? mustard seed is mentioned in the Bible, and all mustard seeds are the same size. Oh, my God. At least to the naked eye. Yeah. And he didn't understand why that did. They, they, they didn't like that idea, and he couldn't get why. Wow. And then he finally made his own colleagues weep in, like, misery because... <laughs> He arranged for a huge, ma- heavy mathematics and physics conference here in Lund. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking about like real guys, so like Gauss from Germany mm-hmm. and Albert from Norway and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And out of Professor Hill's turn. And to his colleagues' utter horror, he stands up and starts talking about the absolute necessity of the fifth way of doing maths. We had add, subtract, multiply, divide. Wasn't enough. We needed an extra one. We, we, he wanted to call Magis. And magis means more. But if adding is about quantity, magis was about quality. It was Whoa. a way to calculate, it was a way to calculate the inner beauty of figures and <laughs> stuff <laughs> and equations and stuff like that. Wow. Yeah, and he, he's going to go, what's he talking about? Six plus eight, like a rose. What is this? Yeah, yeah. So after a while, they used them as a warning example of what happens when you mesh, mix different sciences with one another. Mm. But the students loved him. The students loved the him. The students loved him because, as you can imagine, his lectures were great fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was very fun to listen to him. And you could also poke fun at him at his lectures and he didn't get angry. Ah. Um, but they were terrified of uh, doing their exams for him. Oh, I bet. Yeah, because in those days, you still had the idea that when you were going to do your exam, you dressed up in evening dress, mm-hmm. a good little book, mm-hmm. and then you went down to your book the time with your professor, and you sat with him for a couple of hours, and he quizzed you. Wow. And then wrote down your grade in a book, like, oh, okay, he passed, and stuff wow. like that. Or just told you, come back in a month or two, you have to do this, study this a little bit more. Wow. Um, usually a very civilized thing, they would like uh, bring out schnapps and cig- cigars and stuff like that. Wow. Um, but... They said that they had one poor student who was going to do like an exam for this professor. And he sat there and did maths for 112 hours straight without sleep. 112. Oh, man. Yeah. And then he got a homemade grade that said that something like slightly less than completely acceptable. Whatever that might mean. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, yeah, he he was like that. 
is this quirky or is this like certifiable? It was yeah. like right on the border there. <laughs> Man. Yeah, well, we, um, we, it was so nice to have you on today. To Thank you so much. Very nice to be here. These stories about Lund and, uh, and, and the, the, the long history of this university. Um, it's so fun to always listen to this. Thanks for listening so much to, uh, to this episode of the Lund University International Podcast. Um, we were so grateful to have you on, Jacques, today to talk Great about- Great fun being here. Yeah, to talk about the uh, ghost stories. Um, if you're interested in learning more about Lund University, you can go to our website, uh, lunduniversity.lu.se. Uh, you can also follow us on social media, on Facebook and on Instagram. And uh, we look forward to having you listen to our next podcast soon. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.